You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. Well, if there is no God, then there is no heaven that the girls just sang about. There's no future home for us to go home to. I'm here to tell you today, there is a God. So how do you know that God exists? I'm sure that everyone here today believes that there is a God. But how do you know he exists? Psalm chapter 14, follow along as I read, beginning with verse 1. The fool, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And then it explains why someone would be so foolish as to profess that they do not believe in God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone astray. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? Now take your Bible and turn to chapter 53. We find almost the identical words as they flowed off the inspired pen of the psalmist. Verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Why did they say that? Because they are corrupt. And they have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek God. Every one of them is gone back. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Have the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread? They have not called upon God. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. We sing that song. Matter of fact, we sang it last week on Easter Sunday. He lives. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer in just the time I need him. He's what? He always is here. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. Is there really a God? If there is, how do you know that he exists? The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready. Be ready always to give an answer to every man of the reason of the hope that lieth within you. What is the hope that lies within us? It's God. He is our hope. Are you ready to give an answer to everyone that would ask you why you have this hope in God? If they came to you and said, how do you know there's a God, how would you answer them today? I think of Mordecai who said to Esther, Thou art come into the kingdom for a time such as this. I believe that God has put us on the face of the earth for a time just like this. It wasn't a mistake that we were born in the time that we were born. God knew what was going to happen. He knew where we would be in this time of history. And God placed you and I here for a time such as this. The Bible says, Now the Spirit, the Spirit of God, speaketh expressly, very clearly. Listen to me, church. That in the latter times, God has placed us in the latter times. 
for a purpose. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, and this breaks my heart, some shall depart from the faith. I know that every one of you here could stop and think of those who once embraced the Lord and walked with the Lord and professed the Lord, but they are no longer adhering to their faith. It's heartbreaking. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some, not all, praise the Lord, shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. Seducing, deceptive spirits. It's so deceptive that they don't even realize the falsehood that they are embracing. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. The devil is real, he's alive, and he's spreading his false teaching. Not only outside of the church, but within the church as well. 2 Timothy chapter 4 says this, For the time will come, I believe we're in that time, times such as this. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. This is a, this is a serious issue, church that the church always embraces the sound doctrine and teachings of Scripture. Many see that as unnecessary today. It's very much necessary. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust. Notice how we pervert and twist the Scriptures to satisfy our own lustful desires. But after their own lust shall heap Heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and be turned unto fables. The time has come. Second Thessalonians 2 says this, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him that ye be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter from us, is that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, the day of Christ, the rapture of the church, that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. We are living in that day of the great falling away. What does that tell me? That tells me that Jesus' coming is at the door. Some very concerning information that I want to share with you this morning concerning the time that we're in. A 2015 Harris poll found that 23% of all Americans have now forsaken religion altogether. That was 2015. 2017 Pew Research found an increase from 19% in 2012 to 27% in 2017 of those who reported now of being non-religious. 2017 Pew Research Center also polled and reported that 36% of millennials, that is anyone born from 1980 to 1996 are now non-religious, 36%. In 2018, Pew Research said that Generation Z, so what is Generation Z? Those born from 1997 to 2010, and I quote, there is a good reason to believe, this is from Pew Research, there is a good reason to believe that they will be the most atheistic generation the world has ever seen. That's our teenagers. Barna Group says the emerging Generation Z may deliver a huge blow to religion in the U.S. 42% of this younger generation identifies themselves as non-religious. A third identify themselves as atheist. 2018 Gallup survey, Generation Z, only 64% of those polled believe that God even exists. 
2018 Barna Group found that a mere 4% of U.S. teenagers hold a conservative view of the Bible. ABC News article, Daniel Cox. Our study concludes that roughly one quarter, 26% of Americans are now atheists. Christian evangelicals are 25.4%. Roman Catholics, 20.8%. So now atheists in America outnumber evangelicals and outnumber Roman Catholics. God has raised us up for a time such as this. Take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 1. I'm going to begin with verse 16. And I believe this speaks clearly to the day and age in which we live. A time such as this. Verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Don't ever be ashamed of our Lord and of his gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold. The word hold there means they suppress. They hold back the truth. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God. Can we, can we know God? Can we know this invisible God, this all-powerful God, this divine God, this creator God? Can we know that this God exists? Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. We'll come back to that. For God has showed it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly, clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. There is no excuse for not believing in God. That's why the fool has said in his heart, there is no God, they are corrupt. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. They became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish, foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man, into birds, into four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even the women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which is meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness and fornication and wickedness and covetousness and maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisper, sounds like today. Backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection, perverted, implacable, unmerciful. Turn me down a little bit, please. Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things 
are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Can we know this God? The Bible tells us, if you look in verse 19, and again, I'm going to come back to this later, Lord willing, God can be known through the conscience that he has given to every one of us. It says in verse 19, because that which may be known of God was manifest in them, referring to their conscience, for God has showed it unto them. God has put a sense that he exists within the heart of every single man and woman on the face of the earth. So literally, there are no atheists. Now, our conscience can become defiled. Our conscience can become seared. Our conscience can become hardened. And yes, the conscience can even become evil. But the conscience exists in every one of us. Number two, look at verse 20. God can be known through creation for the invisible things, this invisible God of him from the creation of the world are what? Church, come on, are what? Clearly. Unmistakably, clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. So sinful man has defiled, seared, hardened, and yes, even made his conscience evil. God has been explained away through the acceptance of evolution. Those who now believe in God, believe in creation, we are now belittled, we are scorned, we are mocked, we are called foolish and ignorant, and yes, they even label us as divisive. Paul said, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. I want to tell you something. I'll be a fool for Jesus any day. Forbes says this. Americans are seemingly losing their faith and becoming more like secular Europeans. Another lens into the post-Christian America is the declining impact of traditional Christian teaching on social behavior. As religion declines, immorality rises. Are you with me? And along with the rise of immorality are all the other issues that we're dealing with as a nation that wouldn't be there if we came back to God and our traditional beliefs. The further we drift from God, the worse things become, and yet they cannot see it. Why? Because the God of this world hath blinded their eyes. Hartford Institute of Religion says less than 20% of Americans now attend church on a regular basis. In other words, more than 80% of Americans are finding other things to do that are more fulfilling on the weekends. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Barna listed some of the main reasons why America, over a quarter of Americans, have now become atheist. Number one, rejection of the Bible as the word of God. That makes sense. You have to do that. Number two, their belief that science refutes much of the Bible. Oh, we need to be aware of what Paul said. There is science falsely so-called, like the global warming scientist of our day. I would like to get into that, but I will refrain. <laughs> just, just, just let me say this. This is nothing but a ploy to advance government control 
over people. All right, I'll keep going. Number three. This is a failure to trust local churches because of the number of church scandals. Two weeks ago, I was talking to a young lady. She was a millennial. She had two children, a delightful lady. I asked her, I said, do you attend church? She said, I used to be a Roman Catholic. She said, I was raised in the Roman Catholic Church, and she told me the church that she was raised in. And just a couple years ago, her priest uh, was arrested uh, for child molestation. And somehow he got off on the charges, and all they did was simply move him to another parish. And she said, here was a man, I grew up under his ministry. To me, he spoke to me the word of God, and he's done this. This is what she said, I want nothing more to do with the Catholic Church. Well, let me say something that happens in the Baptist Church, too. Number four, Christians are hypocrites. We're giving the world an excuse as to why not to believe. Number five, if there is a God, why does he allow so much evil and suffering in the world? We've all heard that. Number six, bad church experiences. Number seven, religion no longer is important. Number eight, a secular worldview that is reinforced through the public educational system in our current culture. Church Leaders website says over 40, over the past 40 years, almost every mainline denomination in America has reported a sharp decline in their numbers. The Southern Baptists are the only denomination who have reported small growth and have attributed their growth to a change in worship style from traditional to contemporary, becoming entertainment-based worship. Entertainment-based worship. The only way that we're growing, quote, as a church. I've read such articles as Christianity's decline in America Secularism on the rise in America, four reasons for the decline of religion in America, the death of religion in America, U.S. becomes less religious, secularism rising, religion dying, good news for the Democratic Party. The world's newest religion, atheism, U.S. population becoming more atheistic because of secular humanism. Americans' educational system promoting atheism. These are just some of the articles that I've read to prepare for this message today. If you have consistently shared your faith, without a doubt, you have come across people that said, well, prove to me that there's a God. And then back to this one. If there is a God, why do so many terrible things happen to good people? If there is a God, why do good things happen to terrible people? If there is a God, why doesn't he stop all the terrible things from happening? You ever notice that God gets blamed for all the bad things, he never gets credit for the good? Man never accepts personal blame and responsibility for anything, so let's just blame God. You've all heard this, this one. If there is a God, would he really send people to hell? The skeptics come to us today and they say the same thing that Thomas said. Except I see, I will not believe. Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen. Yet they believe. The atheist said there is no God. The agnostic says no one can really know whether there is or whether there is not a God. But how many of you believe in him? Can I see your hand? How would you answer someone who questions your faith? 
How would you give an answer to every man that asks you the reason of this hope that you have within you? As I thought about this, I began to think the greatest and most profound question that the human mind could ever conceivably entertain is, is there a God? Can you think of anything more important to answer in your life than that? I don't think it can be overstressed how important it is to believe that God exists. First of all, let me say this. It'll govern the way you live your life. They did not like. They did not like it. They didn't like to retain God in their knowledge. God was in their knowledge, but they didn't want to retain it. And so what happened? They rejected the concept of God, and they became perverted and corrupt and embraced sodomy. The decline of religion... The rise of secularism has produced the acceptance of sodomy. I'm going to be honest with you. I never, ever, ever thought that I would see this day. I remember years ago, I remember saying to some of you, stop joking about this. It's not something to joke about. CNN... CBS, ABC, and MS, NBC, now have 50, 50 homosexuals that are controlling these news outlets and are daily pushing the homosexual agenda. Anderson Cooper, homosexual. Don Lemon, CNN, homosexual. Rachel Maddow, homosexual, MSNBC. I don't watch CNN, but I happened to be flipping through the stations the other night, and I saw Franklin Graham was on CNN. And he was absolutely being raked over the coals by Don Lemon because of his stand that homosexuality is a sin that needs to be repented of. As it was in the days of Noah, God has raised us up for a time like this. We cannot be quiet. We cannot sit down Sin is a monster of such awful means, but to be hated needs but to be seen, but seen too oft, familiar with face. We soon pity, and then we embrace. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, and drank and married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, Sodom and Gomorrah. It's, it's very interesting if you were to challenge a homosexual and call him a sodomite that's very offensive to them but that is exactly what the Lord calls them this is perversion this is what God calls an abomination we need to pray for men like Franklin Graham who are still trying to hold forth the torch of truth So it was in the days of Lot. 
They did eat, they did drink, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But in the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, hallelujah, I'm looking forward to the day when I'm raptured out of Sodom. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. What you believe about God will govern the way you live your life. What you believe about God will also determine where you will spend eternity. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable that's very bad. Detestable. Murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. What are the scriptural arguments? that we can use to prove that God exists. There isn't any. Do you know the scripture never seeks to prove God exists? Can you just see God saying, okay, I'm going to prove to you that I exist? God never seeks to prove that he exists. He simply declares that he does. In the beginning... Well, let me just prove to you that I exist. No, in the beginning, what? But in order to justify sinful behavior, you have to deny the existence of God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There's none that doeth good. Listen to me. No God, no accountability. No God, no judgment. No God, I can embrace my sinful behavior. And sin does have pleasure for a season. No, God doesn't seek to prove that he exists just 3,915 times. He says he does. Hmm. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. I am the Lord. There is none else. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God. There is none else. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is none else. I am God, there is none like me. I'm looking back there at the clock, which I can't see because there's this glare on it. I'm, I'm assuming we're probably hitting right around 12 o'clock. And this is when most churches are dismissing. And I'm finally to the five points of my message. That was all just introduction. And let me give you these five main points, and I'll, I really will try to be brief. I believe there are some arguments. They're not biblical arguments, but I believe they're are some arguments for the existence of God. And so let me give them to you. If you've got something to write these down with, you probably should. First of all, there is a universal belief argument. The universal belief argument. All mankind has some idea of a supreme being. You cannot argue this. You cannot refute this. You cannot disprove this. You cannot deny this. While man's idea of God varies greatly from the number of gods to the name of God to the nature of God. Nevertheless, the idea of God remains a universal concept. Remember when Paul came into Athens and all the idols that he saw to all the gods, 
He said, For as I passed by, I beheld your devotion to all these gods, and I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. I want to tell you about him. And the Bible said he preached Jesus to them. 10,000 religions in the world. No, there is a universal belief that a supreme being exists. You know why? Because God put it in our hearts. Number two, here's another argument that you can use. And that is a scientific argument that every effect must have a cause. The cause and effect sequence. Now, let me say again, you've got to be careful about science. Science can become twisted, it can become perverted. But science has proved that something cannot come from nothing. Boy, aren't I smart. I feel like I should give myself a degree. Something cannot come from nothing. So to believe that everything came from nothing is foolishness. It's even scientific foolishness. The fool has said in his heart, what? Everything came from nothing? Really? 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 You believe that? I'll never forget sitting by a man on the airplane. And uh, he was an evolutionist. We were, got engaged in conversation. And when you're sitting by someone for 14 hours, you, you know... And he explained the Big Bang Theory to me. <laughs> this is what he said. He said, all the matter in all the universe started to gravitate towards itself. And it all was condensed to the size of a point of the head of a pen. Well, that's a compactor right there, let me tell you what. He said, and then it exploded and sent all of that matter out into the universe, and then everything started to evolve from there. I said, seriously, you believe that? British scientist mathematician and philosopher Sir Isaac Newton. How many ever heard of Sir Isaac Newton? Oh. Born in 1642, died in 1727. I want to read this to you. Sir Isaac Newton made an exact replica of the solar system. Maybe you remember seeing that, those of you who are my age, when you were in school. At the center was a large golden ball representing the sun. Revolving around it were small spheres attached at the end of rods of various lengths, representing Mercury and Venus and Earth and Mars and other planets. These were all geared together by clogs and belts to make them move around the sun in perfect harmony. One day, as Newton was studying his model, a friend who did not believe in God or in the biblical account of creation, stopped by for a visit. Marveling at the device and watching as Newton made the heavenly bodies move in their orbit, the man explained, My, Newton, what an exquisite thing! Who made this? Without looking up, Sir Isaac Newton replied, Nobody. His friend said, Nobody? That's right, I said nobody. All of these balls and clogs and belts and gears just happened to come together and wonders of wonders, by chance, they begin revolving in their set orbits in perfect timing. The unbeliever got the message. It was foolish to suppose that the model merely happened, but it was even more senseless to accept the theory that the earth and its vast universe came into being by chance. 
how much more logical to believe in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Another argument that can be used to prove the existence of God is the moral conscience of man. We've touched on that. Where did our conscience come from? How did we develop this moral sense of right and wrong? I always kind of think of the conscience as a built-in barometer. It only operates on the information that you put into it. The conscience can be good. Conscience can be strong, weak, defiled, seared. But the conscience is never absent. Man is a moral being. He does have a sense of right and wrong. No other explanation exists for the conscience of man other than a moral being put that in us. Because that which may be known of God was manifest in them. For when the Gentiles, the unbelievers, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience, their conscience also bearing witness, and the thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. The conscience of man was put there by our Creator God. You know, the Bible tells us that we were created in God's image. That doesn't mean that we look like God. God is a spirit. It's not what it means to be created in the image of God. What it means to be created in God's image is the fact that God is a creative God, thus He's given us creativity. Isn't it amazing the things that we can create? God is a spirit, so we are spiritual beings. We all have a spiritual element to us. God communicates, and so we have the ability to communicate. God is intelligent, and some of us are intelligent. God is a very rational being. And some of us are rational. But God is moral. He's a holy God. And as being such, he has implanted his image of right and wrong into every one of our hearts. Number four, there's the argument of design. I, I love nature shows. If you come to my house, two things you will find me watching are nature shows, and you'll find me watching the news, and once in a while, an Andy Griffith. If I'm feeling carnal, Hogan's Heroes. If I'm feeling stupid, I love Lucy. But BBC has several videos called Planet Earth. How many have ever watched Planet Earth? Most of you. Incredible. Isn't it? It's incredible, the images that they get. I'm like, how in the world did they get those pictures? I'm just enthralled with it. But of course, it's all, it's all evolutionary. It's, I have a watch here. I've had this watch for almost eight years. I've never replaced the battery. It's still working. It's still, this is a Timex. If I remember right, I paid $42 for this at Myers. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at this watch, this watch was designed for a specific purpose. You know what it was? It wasn't to look good because it's not a fancy watch. There's one purpose that this watch was designed for. Oh, 
You get to tell time. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that this watch just happened? Or do you believe that someone probably designed it for that purpose? How many would say someone probably, preacher, I'm going to say that probably didn't evolve. It pro- probably someone designed this. Yep, someone did design my watch. I don't think this just happened. I think someone probably wrote this hymnal. I think that someone probably built this building. I think that someone probably made the meal that you're hoping you're going to eat real soon. So to believe that no one created everything... The evolutionist, as I'm watching these over and over, over and over and over again, it is amazing where life exists. I remember seeing one, it was up in the, underneath the ice, the North Pole, and seeing all of these creatures was incredible. Little tiny, itty bitty things. The big whales. And this is what the evolutionists, this is what they'll tell you over and over again. This creature is perfectly designed for its environment. Professing themselves to be, they became. But they will profess it's designed, but they don't believe it had a designer. No, you can clearly see an intelligent being designed it. The last one I'll give you, believe me, I would like to park on these a lot longer than I'm parking, is what they call the life argument. Life must come from life. Life produces life. Original life had to come from some source of life. Are you all with me? This isn't above our head. Life produces what? Life produces life. So where can life be found that produced life? In him is life. He is the fountain of life. He is the source of life. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. Our Savior. He is... Turn me down, please, guys. I want to get louder and I can't because they got me so loud. Guess these new mics are working. Our Savior said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He is the source of all physical life and He is the source of eternal life. In Him is life. If you don't have him, you don't have life. The skeptic says, prove to me that there is a God. Well, how about the universal belief or the scientific belief or the moral conscience of man or the argument of design or the fact that life must produce life? You can argue that till you're blue in the face with an unbeliever. But you know what it takes? To turn a man from darkness to light, from unbelief to belief, it takes a work of God. That God would open their eyes and turn them from the darkness they're in unto light. If you're here today and you have never ever trusted the God of creation, who gave his only begotten son that you could have life. I would ask you today, 
to invite him to come into your heart and life. Give your life to him. You give your heart and your soul and your life to God, let me tell you something, he'll do something with you. First thing he'll do is he'll change you from the inside out. He'll make you a new creature in Christ. What the world needs is what the world has always needed. It needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, we're so thankful that you moved in our hearts and you drew us to yourself. And we don't want to be ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God into salvation to everyone that believes, to everyone, to everyone. If you're here today, and you've never asked Jesus to come in your heart and be your Savior, would you just slip your hand up so I can see it? No one else is looking around. This is just... God already knows your heart, but this is just between you and the preacher. Is there anyone like that here today? Say, I, I need to put my faith in this God you've been talking about. Maybe you're here today and many of you have already raised your hand and said you believe in him. How many of you are living for him today? Are you living for him? You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.